Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Good morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And as Zoe said, if you're visiting with us, do us a favor and just as you're leaving today, either fill out one of those connection cards online or do it. Grab the one in the seat uh, pocket in front of you and take it to our Welcome Center so we can not only give you a gift, but we'd love to be able to connect with you. I'd love to be able to meet you. And so I'll be out in the lobby after service uh, just to be able to kind of shake your hand and say thank you so much for spending your Sunday with us. In, uh, in this culture, in this day of 2022, you could spend your time doing a lot on Sunday morning, right? And I think it's important that we take some time and really focus not only on the Lord in the aspect of church, but being in a room with fellow believers and having a moment like that where we're worshiping the one who paid it all, right? Amen, church? Amen. Uh, a couple of quick announcements before we get into the word today. Um, next Sunday, we will start a brand new series, and the series is called God Doesn't Make sense. And, and that word sense is like you would, the, the money word sense. And here's why, because every November as a church, we've been doing it since we opened in 2018, we take the month of November and we talk about God's faithfulness in giving. We talk about the grace of giving. We talk about the principles of giving. If you've been with our church for any amount of time, you will know that I don't spend a lot of time talking about giving on Sunday. I do share where your money's going and impacts that you're making, which I'll do in a moment. Uh, and then we kind of say, hey, on your way out, you can give in the bucket or you can give online. And because a lot of it, a lot of it is about being able to get to the point of the word that you need for today. And so I think it's important to take a few weeks and really go deep into the word and break it down. And I like to bring out things that you've never really thought about when it comes to the context of giving. Also with that series, what we do is we do our, what we call end of the year giving. And so we challenge every person that's a regular tither to pray about an end of the year gift. If you give nothing, that's fine, no pressure, but we ask you to pray about it. And then we challenge anybody who's not been tithing to pray about uh, starting to tithe. And we'll, I'll share a little bit on the day that we take up the, the, the commitment cards. And we actually don't do commitment cards, but with the day that we kind of kick it off, I guess you would say, I'll share a little bit about vision and what we're doing in the next year. You're going to be really excited as I share with you the first six months of 2023. We'll kick off the year with prayer and fasting and a few other things. So it's just going to be a really exciting year, and I'll share that with you. And so I'm excited about it. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to not only show up next Sunday, I want you to invite a friend. And you say, wait a minute. I don't think we're supposed to invite people to services that talk about money. Uh, trust me, the way we do it, not only do we talk about money, we talk about the grace of Jesus Christ. And so you're able to walk out of this place, not only being challenged financially, but being challenged to live for the Lord and understand his love for you. So it is a great Sunday to invite somebody. So again, that, that's what's coming up. Uh, as Zoe, hit, as Zoe uh, spoke about, I'm going to hit on it real quick. One of the ways that your finances are uh, supporting us and impacting the community is through our trunk or treat, which happens tonight. We believe there's going to be no rain. Amen? We say, he's the one who controls the clouds. Can I get a hallelujah? You know what I mean? Uh, it'll rain everywhere but on the YMCA parking lot. And so that's what we're believing for. Uh, we were able to reach our goal of 30 trunks. Come on. That's exciting. And Erica has bought every piece of candy in the Rutherford County area, and so she'll be able to have that for us, and we'll be able to give out. But it's because of your faithfulness that we're able to do that. And so I just want to say thank you, because not only tonight will we be able to su support and serve your kids, but we'll be able to support and serve kids from the community. And so I just love being a part of a church that is not stuck within these four walls. Amen? I like being a part of a church that says God does something here on Sundays, but we are all over the community throughout the week. And so I thank you so much for that. Those of you that give faithfully, those of you there are saying, hey, how do I? You can do that through our website 
Uh, you can do it through text to give, and of course, there'll be a bucket with an auditorium host on the way out. So again, thank you to all faithful givers. Uh, we've been in a series called Living Room Leaders. Have, have y'all been enjoying this series, Living Room Leaders? Um, all right, glad to know that my time is not uh, being wasted. And so this is the ninth week of this series. And so we have been going through, we've talked about, I was trying to remember it this morning, we've talked about how to lead yourself. Uh, we've talked about how to lead through truth and grace. We've talked about how to lead in times of uncertainty. We've talked about how to lead your feelings. Uh, and today, I really feel like this is kind of the bookend of it all um, even though it's the last message, I feel like it's the message that you could kind of take and put at the beginning and the end so that you are being a valuable leader. This series was the idea that we leaders, whether we consider ourselves a leader or not, you're a leader in your home to your kids, you're a leader in your marriage or in your relationships, whether it be a spouse or a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a fiance, you're a leader in your workplace, you're a leader in your school. And if nothing else, if you could say, I don't have any of those things, you're a leader as a Christian. You're a leader in, in whatever facilities and, and opportunities you have throughout the week to be a light for Christ. And so we're going to bring this to a conclusion in John chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. John chapter 12. Uh, I'm going to set up a little bit of context. Last week we were in John chapter 11 where Lazarus died, the brother of Martha and Mary. And Jesus showed up on the scene a little bit late. Lazarus was dead. They were in the process of getting him, you know, getting him in the tomb. He's, he's buried, all these kinds of things. And Jesus shows up on the scene. And then, you know, we go through the feelings of Mary and Martha. And then he actually calls Lazarus out of the grave. Uh, and then what you're going to see now is later on there's kind of a dinner time uh, with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and some disciples and so on. And something happens at this dinner that's very unique. It happens multiple times throughout the Bible. Not every time that you read it is it the same story. Sometimes it happens with different characters and so on. But it's a pretty powerful story that, depending on how long you've been in church or aware of the Bible, you might have heard it before. But I want to give you a leadership principle out of it today. So we're going to start reading at verse 1, John chapter 12, verse 1. We'll read to verse 8, and then we'll get into the word. It says, six days before the Passover. So again, uh, statements like this are to give you relevance of when this happened in the year. So six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they're letting you know this is that same Lazarus. Here a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. We're going to celebrate Jesus and all that he's done. And Martha served. Everybody say Martha served. It's going to be important. Another uh, uh, version says Martha worked, and so that'll be important later. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. I, I shared weeks ago that they would lay on one arm, and their, their bodies would be stretched out, and they would be laying in front of the table, and that's how they would dine. He's not, he's not in a lazy boy, okay, just so you're clear of that. Uh, it says, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, letting you know that this was a very valuable substance, an expensive perfume, and she poured it, she broke it, and she poured it on Jesus' feet, and then she wiped it with her hair. So instead of using a towel, she used her hair. And then the house was filled with this fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who we all know later will betray him, he objected. Judas said, why wasn't this perfume sold and then the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. Think about that in case you're wondering the value of the perfume. However it is, whatever the amount is that you make in a 365-day year, that's the value of the perfume. All right? So it gives you a little bit of context. Judas says, why do we do that? We could have given it to the poor. But then the Bible does something very nice for us. It gives us context, and it says, for he did not say this 
because he cared about the poor. Let's get it straight. But because he was a thief, as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put into it. All of a sudden, Jesus replied, leave her alone. For it was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. For you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I want to talk to you today from this idea, leading on empty. How to lead on empty. The other day I was getting ready to take Veda and Casey Ray to school. And just so to give you again a little bit of context, currently my windshield wipers don't work on my car. Okay, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a long story. I just really hadn't had time to fix it yet. It's a little busy, and so I'm trying to figure out the problem. But it, it's known around my house and even around the circle of people that hang out with me that my windshield wipers don't work, and I have almost killed plenty of my friends driving with it. I'll drive today in the rain with no windshield wipers because I have faith, all right? <laughs> so be prepared. Figure out who's going to replace me as pastor because it's not going to be able to last very long. Um, so, but Veda knows this, and Veda gets into the car with me one morning, um, and it just so happened it was time for my oil to be changed, and so my car has one of those lights that comes on and says like, bing, oil change, you know, and so that happens, so she gets into the car, and all of a sudden, bing, oil change, and then it just so happened that my back right tire was low, and so as soon as, as, soon as that light went off, it went, bing, low tire pressure, and I was on low fuel, Okay. It had been a busy week. And so as soon as that light went off, bing, low fuel light. So there was like bing, bing, bing. That's what was happening. And Veda looked at me and she said, Dad, your car is broken. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, welcome to real life, lady. Uh, but as I was writing this message, the Lord kept bringing that moment back to my mind in the context of us in life. You know what I mean? Where we're, we're kind of moving on, leading in life, and all of a sudden, all the lights are going off, letting us know that we are empty in a lot of places. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to lead our kids, and we're trying to be leaders in our marriage, and we're trying to lead other relationships, and at our job, and our spiritual life, and our ministry, and our finances, and it's just like, ding, 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 ding. I got low fuel, and my windshield wipers don't work, and, and my, you know, my tire is low, and my oil needs to be changed. And if I was just honest with you, like, I'm, I'm empty. But I don't know about you. Here's, here's something I've learned about life, is even though I'm empty, I still have to lead. I've never, I've never had a situation where a boss or my wife or my kids said, oh, are you on empty? No problem. You just go rest and get back to us in a couple of days. Life still moves on, and yet here I am, exhausted. Here's what I've learned. You ready? In 38 years, here's what I've learned. That you can have both faith and fatigue. I can be a believer and be exhausted. I, I can have strong faith in Jesus Christ and be literally walking around on low fuel. That I can have faith, but I can be fatigued. The truth is that we're expected to lead in many areas in our life. And if we were honest with ourselves, sometimes we're just praying to finish the day. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes you're just like, God, if you'll just get me to 9 o'clock at night. Depending on how late you work, God, if you'll just get me to 11 o'clock at night. If I can just get in my bed, Father, there's so much. If you'll just get me in my bed, I'll be fine. But then we know this. Tomorrow it all starts over again. 
So we're asking God to just finish the day, but the truth of the matter is we all know that and when we wake up in the morning, it's all, we're going to have another issue and another problem and another shortcoming and another task and another deadline, and we're trying to get to the day on empty, finding out that without being refilled, we have to go and do it again. Because the majority of us don't have a plan in place to recharge. The majority of us, would, if we were to be honest in this moment, here's what we say, just what I said about my windshield wipers. I just don't have time. I'm so focused on so many things, I don't have time to, to recharge. I, I hear this saying all the time, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Y'all heard that? I've said it. Because in our mind, we have so much to do, we don't have time to recharge. And as a result of that, we end up leading on empty. I was reading a book, and it talked about different chemicals in our body and how one of the chemicals that really stirs us and, and moves us into place of operation is a chemical called serotonin. I'm sure all of y'all have heard it. You're familiar with it. Uh, it's what helps us operate. And naturally... We, be, we get low on serotonin. So as we operate, that serotonin begins to decrease. And the way that we replenish it is by rest. When, when, we, when we rest, and, you, and I'm not going to go into this in this sermon, but you have to understand what I mean by rest. What's rest to you, right? And then as you actually rest, both sleeping and resting, that's, that serotonin recharges. But if you don't rest, it doesn't recharge, and this article I was reading said that what happens is as serotonin gets low, our body will kick in adrenaline. So serotonin is gone, so it kicks in adrenaline, and we start running off of adrenaline. But the problem is adrenaline was meant for emergencies only. Adrenaline was meant to give us a short burst. Oh, goodness, something happened. Let me get to the hospital, right? It was this adrenaline that could get me through a moment, but it wasn't for long-lasting. And so here we are, empty on serotonin, we're using adrenaline, and eventually what it's going to lead to is a crash. When y'all were growing up, anybody have a vehicle that had two gas tanks? Y'all remember this? These are old vehicles. They would have two gas tanks. And so when one got empty, you could just hit a button in your car. Some of y'all are just finding out about this. You're like, <laughs> like why did we ever get away from it, right? <clears throat> because it would have cost you $780 to fill up your two gas tanks. And so you could push a button in your car, and it would switch to the gas tank. The problem is, when you're empty, you push the button, it goes to another tank, and it's empty. And that's where we are. We're empty, and we hit that button, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, what? It's, it's empty as well? When we're running on fumes, think about this. Depression can take the place of initiative. Our indecision and our anxiety increases, and we begin to feel exhaustion which leads to isolation. This, this is so good, y'all. When we become exhausted, we isolate ourselves. There's just something naturally in us. We, we assume that people don't want to help us. And so we're exhausted. We isolate ourselves. Watch this. And now we are both empty and alone. And that's a dangerous combination. Because here you are, it's what? Still having to lead. Husbands, you still have to lead your wife. Wives, you still have to lead your home. Parents, you still have to lead your kids. We still have to lead at our job. We still have to lead in our ministries and in our volunteer opportunities, and we still have to lead, but we're empty and we feel alone. So last week, we gave ourselves permission to feel. If you were here last week, I 
had a moment where I said, biblically, it's okay for you to feel. You can feel angry. You can feel tired. You can feel sad. Jesus did. It's what you do with those feelings once you have them. So we gave ourselves permission to feel last week. This week, my prayer for you is that you will give yourself the opportunity to be filled. If you walked in this place and you're empty, as I say those things and you're you know, trying to raise your hand, but whoever's sitting by you keeps putting it down, listen to me. Today is an opportunity. It's the beginning of an opportunity for you to be filled. So I want to give you, there, there's all kinds of thoughts I could give you. Rest is certainly one of them. You know, you could go find any books on how to recharge, how to get your energy back. You know, I mean, there's so many ways to do it. <clears throat> but there's one book that I feel like is the, should be the priority book, which is the Bible. And I want to give you both a practical thought today and then more of a spiritual thought. So I'm going to give you a practical thought that you kind of have to leave with you and then a spiritual thought that we could begin this morning before we leave, all right? So here's the first practical thought. I'm going to give it to you, and then I'm going to explain it to you. Number one is this. <clears throat> you need to prioritize your poor. You need to prioritize your poor. Go back to John chapter 12 for a second. I want to show you something that Jesus says in the midst of this moment, and if you're not careful, you'll read right over it, and you'll miss it. John chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. Watch this. Leave her alone, Jesus said. They're, they're getting on to Mary, or, or not getting on to her, but they're <clears throat> judging her. Let's put it that way. And Jesus says, leave her alone. For it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. But watch this. <clears throat> you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. What's happening in this moment is Jesus is talking about priorities. Jesus says, listen. The poor are important. You should do all that you can to help the poor. That is still a biblical mandate on us as Christians. But Jesus says, in this moment, you'll always have the poor. The poor will be here tomorrow, and the poor will be here in 2022. We will always have the poor. I'm not telling you not to help and serve the poor. Do it. But what Jesus is saying is, in this moment, we need to prioritize. Because you'll always have the poor but I will not always be with you. Jesus says, check your priorities. Neither are wrong, but you've got them out of order. You see, leading is all about pouring out. I think all of you would agree in any scenario where you lead, it's a pouring out. If you're at work, you're pouring out. It's why when you get home, you're exhausted. Because at work all day, you've poured out. If you've ever been to a marriage conference or you've ever been on a family vacation or family trip, y'all know I have a biblical rule about that. If you're with a kid, it's a family trip. You're without kids, it's a vacation. That'll save your marriage. But anytime you do anything like that, you're pouring out. So that's why you come back from a family trip and you're tired. And so leadership is all about pouring out. And when our priorities are off, that pouring out can lead us into wearing out, that we're constantly pouring and eventually we're empty and now we're worn out. We live in a culture that teaches us to make our lives full so that we don't have to deal with our emptiness. You're told that busyness is sexy. You need to be busy. You need to do. You need to do. When, when, when people ask us how we're doing, what's our statement normally? Busy. Why? Because we think that if we say busy, people will think we're valuable. Because if you say to me, how you doing? And I go, I'm good, man. I hadn't done nothing in two weeks. 
Y'all are all like, well, what are we paying you to do? You know what I mean? Like, you know, at some point we start, it's like, this is confusing here. So we, we come up with these statements where, don't be wrong, we are busy, but culture is pushing us to be busy. And the reason is this, the busier you are, the less time there is for you to self-check. The busier you are, you don't have the opportunity to stop for a minute and go, man, I'm empty. I'm empty. The, the reason why 2020 rocked marriages is because everybody was so busy. And then 2020 stopped the busyness. And couples went, I don't even know who you are. We're so busy, we haven't even addressed our issues. The busier I am, the less I have to talk about emptiness. And then when somebody approaches our emptiness and goes, are you okay? We just go, I'm okay. I'm okay. Why? Because we don't know how to talk about it. I'm empty. I think I told you a couple weeks ago, Darla and I were really busy for about a week and a half. And one time she stopped me in the hallway. She said, are you okay? And I went, yeah. And she knew I wasn't okay. She was like, you, that's funny. You look weird. And I just, it was just, I, I didn't know how to tell her, like, baby, I'm empty, and I don't know what to do about it. It was weird. Think about John chapter 12 for a second. There have been multiple dinners that Mary and Martha have provided for Jesus and his disciples leading up to John chapter 11. So, so when Jesus rolls in, he rolls in 12 deep, all right? So y'all imagine, look, when, you, when, when we have two people coming over to our house, we are everywhere. Kids clean the toilets, take out the trash, wash the ba baseboards, you know what I mean? Imagine if Jesus and his disciples were coming to your house. So they've been preparing for that multiple times. And then watch this. Then Lazarus gets sick. So now Martha is dealing. Have you ever had a sick family member? You're pouring out the entire time. Then Lazarus dies. So now Martha and Mary have to plan his funeral. Then Lazarus resurrects from the dead. Now they got a celebration party, right? It sounds great. It's exhausting. So in John chapter 12, there's another gathering of Jesus and his disciples at Mary and Martha's house. And what was Martha doing? She was working. Another, another celebration. Another one? I think Martha would have got the phone call and be like, hey, Jesus is coming again? This is the fifth time this month. Like, I don't, I don't even have dishes clean. You know what I mean? But Martha is working because Martha feels like it's her responsibility to work. And where is Mary? Mary is worshiping. Martha is working. Mary is worshiping. Martha is working. Mary is worshiping. Some of us have a spirit of Martha. We, we, we don't know how to address the emptiness, so we just stay busy. I've shared this before. I don't like blood and pain and all that. So if you get cut, don't come to me, okay? But when it's my kids, I really freak out. So one time when Veda was young, she slipped and she busted her mouth on the floor and it was bleeding. And Darla is a fantastic mom, so she steps in. And my mother-in-law, who's a retired nurse, she steps in. And I did what every God, godly man does. I went and washed dishes. That's all I knew what to do. Like, I knew I was going to be of no help to her, and I was freaking out. So I'm over there. Them dishes have never been so clean. You know what I mean? And, and some of us, that's, it's, it's, I just need to do so I don't have to focus on what's being done. You know what I mean? I just need to do. I need to do. I need to do. Because if I don't have anything to do, then I have to think about how empty I am. And if I think about how empty I am, I have to admit how empty I am. And if I admit how empty I am, i got to do something about how empty I am. And I don't know what to do. 
So give me a brush and a towel, and I'll be in the corner. Martha's working. I'm about to set some of you free. Listen to me. There will always be a need that, that has to be filled. Mama, mama of small children, there will always be another need. Don't allow whether or not there's a need to bring you value. There's always going to be another. They poop on themselves. There's always going to be another need. You know what I mean? There's always going to be an area to improve. Listen to me, husbands, fathers, men of God. There's always going to be an area that needs to be improved. But we'll put our value on the excellence of things and we'll work ourselves to death trying to keep things excellent. Meanwhile, there's always, by the time this gets excellent, this is broken again. Right? So I'm not telling you not to work, but if your value's in this, you're going to be running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. As a pastor, I'm going to be very transparent with you. There's always something that needs to be done here. Always. We could do this and fix that and build that and make this better. There's always another sermon to write because for you know, y'all kind of expect me to do something here on Sunday morning. There's always something that needs to be done. And if that's where I'm, I'm measuring myself and my value, I'm going to be empty. Listen, I'm going to really set you free. There are some issues that will never be resolved. There are just some things that are never going to be resolved, and it's not your fault. It's life. It happens. But here's what I know above all things. Busyness doesn't fix emptiness. Doesn't matter how busy you are. All it does is it masks it. And when people finally explode, we go, what's wrong with them? It wasn't even that big of a deal. It's because they had been masking their emptiness with busyness for so long that they're exhausted. And now it's blown up, and we don't know why. My, my wife, I consider her to be the, the, the most perfect human being in the world. I, I just I love everything about her. But there is one thing. Just one thing. She's just, she just misses the target on this, this one thing. She does not like to keep the gas tank on full. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like I will get in the car. You know, we got somewhere to be. I'll get in the car. I'll start the car, her car, because she has her car, I have mine, but we're taking hers. We get in the car, start the car, and ding, low fuel. So she'll hop in. We'll have the kids, and I'll, we'll be headed somewhere, and I'll go, Babe, you're on low fuel. And she'll go, I know. And I said, uh, you, think we can, you think we can make it to the church? You think we can make it to, to the meeting or the restaurant? And she goes, yeah, I think we can. I go, cool. So I put it in reverse. And as we're driving, I'm like, did it just, you know, did it just come on as you were pulling into the garage? Right? Because that would make sense. Like you're pulling into the garage. Boop, 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 bing. Oh, I just got here. Like I'm not going to back out and go fill up my gas tank. So, you know, it's, it's Thursday. And I'm like, you know, did you, did you just pull in the garage? She was like, it's, it's been on for a little bit. And I said, like, like, since when? And she's like, well, what day is it? I'm like, it's Thursday. She's like, probably Monday. And I'm like, Monday? <laughs> like, like, you're only supposed to be able to go like 30 miles on this thing. You know what I mean? We're now 57 miles into low fuel. The car is like shooting out smoke. You know what I mean? Like, it needs to be filled. But she won't do it. Like, like all of a sudden, I, and I'm not, I got to be careful how I say this because, you know, we're happily married. Um, I think she gets busier 
when it gets on the low fuel. Like, all of a sudden, we got all these errands to run. I'm like, we got to go get gas. We got to pick the kids up from school. I'm like, we got to get gas. You know what I mean? And some of y'all are the same way. Like, you will run the low fuel light all the way. Some of y- it's how bad some of y'all are. When the, when the light is on low fuel, you don't want to fill it up. You will do other things to try to prolong. You will roll the windows down and turn the air conditioner off. You know what I mean? That's how bad you are. It's like you think by doing that, all, well, turn the radio off. If we turn the radio off, it won't burn as much gas, and we'll be able to make it a couple more miles because we don't want to do it, right? We're too busy to fill up the gas tank. Busyness doesn't fix emptiness. If you don't stop what you're doing and get to the gas station, it doesn't matter how busy you are, you're eventually, one time when we lived in Memphis, <laughs> I got this phone call. She had gone to uh, uh, one, of the, one of the people at our church's uh, high school graduation, and she called me, and she, and she said, hey, babe, what are you doing? And I don't do something. And she said, I-, I need you to come here. And I was like, what's up? And she said, well, I'm on the side of the interstate. And I said, on the side of the interstate, what, what happened? Is the car okay? Did the tire blow? She said, no, I ran out of gas. <laughs> what? How do you run? Like, babe, there was a light. The silo. She was like, I think I could make it. No, you couldn't make it. Listen, I got a word for you. We all think we can make it. We all think we can make it. Can, I can make it. I can make it. So we just continued to be busy. Meanwhile, being empty and busyness doesn't fix emptiness. The question that we usually ask ourselves is this, have I done enough? But the question that we should be asking ourselves is, have I done what God's asked me to do? I'm going to leave that up there for you for a second. The question that we tend to ask is, have I done enough? Mom, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Have I done enough? Is the kid, is the kid at school? Do they have their lunch? Are they dressed? Do they have their money for pictures? Do they have their money for the book fair? Have I done enough? Have I done enough? Have I done enough? Men. I got to work, I got to pay this bill, I got to pay that bill, they want to go on vacation, I got to take it, have I done enough? Have I, the question that we're constantly asking is, have I done enough? That question is exhausting because I'm about to be prophetic on you. You ready? You haven't. You never will do enough. That's the wrong question. The question is, have I done what God's asked me to do? Let me, let me, I wanted to kind of bring this illustration to you for a little bit. I wanted you to kind of be able to catch this. I hope y'all can all see it. I know I'm a little bit elevated, but I thought it'd be fun to help you see it for yourself, all right? So these are going to be our priorities, our different priorities. The little cups represent the little priorities, like the little things that we can't even really put a name to. You know, as I got to run this errand, I got just the little kind of irrelevant priorities. And then I, I got different priorities. So this one right here is going to be our work slash finances. I'm not going to have enough room for this. Uh, It's going to be, so that's our work. This is the ministry that we serve in. This is, well, let's do this. This is our health, right? Whether we look good, feel good, our family and our friends and our relationship with God. So I'm going to remind you of those in a minute. But but this, this just represents our priorities. So God, this is quiet time, reading your Bible, relationship with Jesus type priorities. This is family and friends. So it's your spouse, your siblings, your parents, your kids, your friends, all that. This is ministry. I don't know if you know this or not. We're all called to serve in ministry. We're all called to do the work of God, maybe full-time, maybe not, but we're all called to do it. This is health. How do I feel? You know, kind of fun stuff. This is my work, my finances. These are irrelevant little, little deals. So here's what ends up happening. This is us. We're limited. I didn't want to fill it up. 
Because I want you to understand that I don't know that we're ever filled up, right? But we're limited. So we start to pour out a little bit here. Got that little task. Completed that. Got that little task. That little task. That little task. All right, now work. Now here's the deal with work. Work matters. Because if I don't go to work, I get fired. If I get fired, I can't pay the bills, and now we're evicted. So i got to pour as much time as possible into work because work is also connected to finances. But also care about myself. You know, I want to... Just making sure you all paying attention. Care about myself. I mean, obviously, you're poured out in front of the Lord. There it is, right? So ministry, because you serve a little bit. You know, you do what you can. Now we have as much as we can, a little bit for our family and our friends. And now we end up with a little bit for God. Now, the reason why I wanted to show you this, because this is not new for you. You're like, oh, yeah, this, this is kind of, I get it. But I think it's interesting. What I wanted to illustrate is the fact that we start here instead of starting here. You know what I mean? Like, like why did I start here? And I was dwelling on this and processing this. And here's why I think we start here. Because these are little tasks that can be completed. They have a beginning and they have an end. Your family doesn't really have an end, right? Like, again, there's always something else you could do. There's always more time. There's always So there's not really an end. Same thing with ministry, same thing with work, same thing with health. You could always, you know, do abs more, you know what I mean? You can always have an extra leg day, all right? You know, so it's like we can always figure something out. So, but, but because these are small and attainable, we start here. We do these things because we can complete them. And then we get to things like work where we don't have a choice. There's zero grace with work. You have to work. Nobody in here could say, I want to spend more time with my family. I quit my job. It'd be great, right? But it's not realistic. And so we pour it. And then when we get to the things that matter, family, God, these kind of things, it's just very little to pour out. Some of us get to like the family aspect and it's, we're just empty. We have nothing for God because we gave the little that we had left to our family or to our friends or to our spouse or to our kids. And, and then I started thinking about it like this. Why, why is it these cups that get the least? Why is it God and family and friends and ministry that ends up getting the least, if anything at all? And here's why. Those are the people and the things in our life that we know will give us grace, right? Like we know God loves us. So if I don't get to God today, God's still going to love me. I, I know my, you know, she married me. <laughs> she can't go nowhere, you know. My kids will forgive me. They love me. I'll, I'll buy them. I'll take them to Disney. I'll spend $40 million to take them to Disney. Yeah. Oh, ministry, they got somebody else. They'll serve. It's these areas in our life where we know that there's grace. And these areas don't have any grace. These are attainable. These don't have grace. These have grace. So what ends up happening is we end up kind of cheating those that give us grace and taking away the time, taking away the effort, taking away the energy because we know, hey, I'll get you next week. Right? But that's not the right order. That's not how we should prioritize. 
And because we don't prioritize correctly, by the time we get to the things that really matter, we're empty. Listen to me. If you don't prioritize your life, someone will. If it's not up to you, if you're not seeking the face of God, asking him to help you prioritize your life, someone else will. I'll prove it to you. Did y'all see Judas in John chapter 12? Did y'all see him? Mary's breaking the oil and she's pouring on Jesus' feet. And Judas is back there and he's like, you know, I don't think that's the best way to spend that money. I, I think we should have given that to the poor. That's what I think we should do. I love this. Because he's pretending like he cares about Mary's priorities, right? He's pretending like he has really any kind of good, positive outlook on what happens with the oil. But the Bible knows and it lets you know that there are individuals and opportunities out there that will pretend to be a priority but will rob you dry. So it tells you Judas didn't care about the poor. He was a thief. If we're not careful, these things become thieves because we think, oh, it's a priority. See, see, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll do one thing thinking it's prioritizing another thing, right? Well, I work a lot. Why do you work? Because I got to have money to provide for my kids so that they have stuff. They don't want stuff. They want you. So then if we're not careful, we think we're prioritizing something, but we're doing something else, and it's becoming a thief in our life. And so here's Judas judging Mary. Ah, you shouldn't do that. You should give that oil to the poor. And Jesus says, hey, shut your mouth. That's the message Troy paraphrase. Jesus is not as mean as me, so he was, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Her priorities are correct because the poor you always have. But me, you won't always have. You familiar with the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. I started thinking what it would look like if in 2022 culturally, we made a culturally relevant 23rd Psalm. One that, that really lined up with the way we live our lives. Here's how I thought it would go. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me into deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for busyness sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I'll never get it all done, for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines and my inbox overflows. Surely fatigue and pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, all of my days. And I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> they anoint my head with migraines. And my inbox overflows. That's how the culture would ask us to operate. Can I read to you the actual 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
He maketh me. Sometimes I love the King. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. Because our, our fuel's on low. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. It's a different trade-off from your inbox. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I told you I'd give you a practical thought. You need to prioritize your poor. You need to leave out of here today. You need to sit down with your wife or your husband or your kid, and you need to say, hey, let's, let's check out our priorities for a second. Everything's been a little crazy. It's been a little wild, but, but now is a good time to sit down and kind of prioritize. That's the practical way. You really can't start it. Don't start on it now. It'd be way too much talking. Like, start on that when you get home, all right? Come to Trunk or Treat first, and then start on it tonight. But here's the spiritual thought, Part, point number two. Prioritize his presence. In your life, prioritize his presence. Picture the scene, y'all. Because here's what you have to understand. Martha was not in the wrong. I don't want you to see it and go like, oh, Martha's bad, Mary's good. That's not what I'm saying. Martha was doing what she thought she was supposed to be doing. So Martha is not wrong. It just wasn't the best choice. Mary, in the midst of all of this, chose to prioritize the presence of Jesus. And the answer for you and I, the ability to go from that, that culturally relevant uh, 23rd Psalm to the actual biblical 23rd Psalm, the only difference is the presence of Jesus Christ. That's the difference. When we prioritize the presence of God, then we're able to move into those areas. It, we have to be able to grasp this. That in a daily basis, are we prioritizing Jesus? <laughs> I, again, another reason for the cup. So, so let me illustrate this for you because you go, you know what, Troy? It's really easy for you to say that considering you do what you do for a living. I wish we all could, you know, wake up and read the Bible and be in God's presence and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully y'all don't say that about me, but if you do, you're wrong. But work, health, ministry, family, friends, God. When we prioritize the presence of God, great measurements here, so y'all bear with me. Uh-oh. Still got the same problem. Like, we started on this side, and we got to family and God and ministry, and we were empty. That's a problem. But, but we started with God, and now we get over to all of these tasks that have to be done, and now we're empty. So, Troy, I don't really understand. Like, it seems like you, regardless of what you do, you're not going to have enough time to do everything. Is that, is, that, is that the message, that we don't have enough time to do anything? No, that's not what I'm telling you. 
I'm telling you, when you prioritize the presence of God, something supernatural happens. And when you get to these things and you're empty, God has a way of being able to do things that you didn't think you had the ability to do and you didn't think you had the time to do. Guess what? I still got a little left over. I can still pour through. I can do whatever because God has a way of saying, if you'll put me first, I can do something supernaturally in all of the other areas. But if you put this first and you get to me and there's nothing for me to work with, but if you prioritize me first, I remember one time I was going through some stuff and dealing with some stuff, and I, I just felt like I needed more time with the Lord. My, my week was busy, and I really needed to start focusing. I only had like a day and a half to build the sermon. I had full days of meetings, and I, needed, I just needed that time to work. But I really felt like I needed to spend some time with the Lord. And I remember I honestly said this. As your pastor, I said this. I said, God, that's fine. I'll spend time with you. But you got you to gotta write this sermon. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, if I spend the time that I have allotted to write this sermon, if I come and just lay on my face and pray, you're going to have to write this sermon. Now, normally, Tuesday, all Tuesday is my major sermon prep day. I build it, and then throughout the week, I kind of put skin on the bones. That was my Tuesday. I had zero work done on that Tuesday. I had meetings all Wednesday, meetings all Thursday, and I think there was something going on that weekend. I got to the gym Wednesday morning, and I started my prayer time. Now, Tuesday, I did what I said I would do. I spent all the time I could with the Lord up until the day was over. Kids were home from school. That Wednesday, I got there to the gym. I started praying, and it was like, I don't know how to explain it. never happened. It's never happened before. It's never happened since. It was like the message. It's like it was just coming. It took me 15 minutes to write a sermon. I couldn't explain it to you. I'm not that good, okay? It's normally more like 15 hours. But it just was just flowing. I, was, I couldn't type it in my phone fast enough. I got home, and I put it in my iPad, and I was done. And I was like, I don't have anything to do. I have like an hour and a half before my next meeting. I thought I would need more than that. I thought I would have to cancel daddy-daughter date night and everything to get this done. But because I prioritized the presence of God, he knew all of the priorities that I have. And he said, if you make me priority first, I'll help you feel all of the other priorities, even when you are empty. If we're not careful, y'all, the, the, the demand of life, all the responsibilities of life, they'll destroy us. If we're not making God the priority in our life. Now, what does that look like? I'd love to talk to you individually about what that looks like. I understand that not everybody operates in my schedule or in scout schedule, whoever. So, like, it's all going to look different. But it involves what works for you and the Lord. Bible reading, prayer, you know, just time to really meditate in the presence of Jesus Christ. But can I tell you something? I don't know. I, we'll share some of this in the marriage conference that we're doing in February, by the way. Uh, humble brag. Um, my wife will tell people a lot of times in marriage counseling, she'll say, whenever I have something that I want to change in Troy, she says, I don't nag him, I nag God. <laughs> she knows when I'm at the gym praying, so she'll get up during that hour and pray for that. And I'll come home and think it's my idea. 
my baby, you don't believe? I think we should spend more time together. I think you should get a king size mattress. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you're good. You hear from the Lord. Good job. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, y'all. She's prioritizing God. And God's taking care of her priorities. And, I, and, I, and listen, I, this is not just something I say because this is what I do. I mean this from the bottom. I'm living this for you. I want it for you so bad that if you will prioritize Jesus in your life, all the things that are giving you low fuel lights and tire gauge lights, they'll start to be solved. And here's what you'll say. I don't know how, Red, I don't know how it's happening. I have more time. No, you don't. But you're spending time with the God that can take a sack lunch and feed 20,000 people. If he can do it with seven food items and feed 20,000, imagine what he can do with seven minutes. Right? Seven minutes with him can become 20,000 hours of impact. So, one thought before I close. I'm, I'm reading John 12 over and over and over again in preparation for today, and there was a particular line that stood out, and, and I've read it before, but it never really stood out before. Uh, put, put that up for me real quick. Sorry, thanks, Miss Erica. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. That was the part. I've read that a hundred times. I'm completely aware, I'll, I'll help you understand in case you don't, the context of what that means. In Jewish tradition, when somebody died, they would anoint the body with perfume. That, that was regular. We don't really do that. Maybe, maybe in the embalming, I don't know how all that works. But, but in, in that culture, in that day, they would get perfume and they would anoint the body. So they would put expensive perfume aside. They would purchase it, knowing that at some point, my mom's going to die, at some point, my dad's going to die, at some point, and I want to have this expensive perfume to be able to anoint their body. And so she's using that perfume. Remember, it cost a year wages. She's using it. She breaks it on Jesus' feet. They're like, what are you doing? And Jesus says, that's the perfume she intended to use for my burial. There's a lot of theological thoughts there, but I just felt the Spirit of God say this to me, and I want to say it to you. He said, she took what she was supposed to save until death, and she's using it now. What does that mean for us, Pastor Troy? Listen, please listen. Because of grace, you are saved. Salvation is a gift. No man nor any sin can take away salvation from you. Salvation is a gift. When you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe he died for my sins, I believe I was red as scarlet, washed white as snow, you're saved. Salvation is a gift for you. So Jesus is something you have waiting on you after life, right? Like if you're a believer and you die, when you get to heaven, you're going to see Jesus. Like, yay, right? Y'all not happy about that? I'm happy about that. Like, yay, it's great. It's great. But when I read this, here's what I felt the Spirit of God tell me. You can wait until you get to heaven to be in my presence, or I can get involved right now. You got it. You're, you're a believer, so you have it. You'll have me in eternity. You'll have G If you're saved, 
You'll have Jesus in eternity. But you don't have to wait till then. I had this phrase come to mind that might not, it might not be politically correct, but I just feel like I gotta say it. I just wrote down in my notes, don't settle for salvation. Right? Salvation's a gift. I get Jesus in heaven, but I can have him right now. I can have him in my marriage. I can have him as I raise my kids. I can have him in my job. I can have him in my finances. I can have him in my dreams. I can have him in my past issues, my present vision. I can have him right now. So don't wait. Do me a favor. Stand with me real quick. Stand with me. Y'all will humor me for a second. Ben, I'm going to go invite you up while I do this. I don't really know what this next part's going to look like because at some point it goes beyond me into, into where you are with the Lord. But I thought it would be a great time to give you a few minutes. Your kids are taken care of, just a few minutes to just be in the presence of God. I'm going to be real honest for a second. Anybody in here empty? Anybody in here empty? Wouldn't it be great to leave today filled? If you're in here with your spouse, will you hold their hand? Just, just hold their hand. If your kids are with you, just kind of kind of grab them, pull them towards you. I just thought it'd be cool to kind of put an ending on today in the series by just having an opportunity of worship where literally you could say, God, I need you. For whatever it is. If you've never given your heart to Jesus and it's salvation, you can be saved today. If it's for your marriage, he's ready to be invited in today. If it's for your kids, he's ready to help you today. And it just helped me to know I don't have to wait till heaven to, to experience Jesus, you know? Like, I can have him right now, right now. Do me a favor, just close your eyes. Father, I pray right now every person in this room whether it's marriage whether it's kids whether it's trying to have kids whether it's financial struggles whether it's sickness whether it's loneliness whether it's a dream that we feel like is never going to come to pass or whether it's a past that we feel like we're never going to be able to shake Father you desire to walk through these things with us. And your word says that you fill us. Everybody in this room that's empty, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do something that no man could ever do. Father, I try to say every Sunday, I can preach your word, but I can't change lives. Your Holy Spirit does. So I'm just praying right now that you would go beyond me beyond my words beyond my understanding that you'd start to answer prayers that are in this room that I don't even know about that you start to shifting priorities in people 
that you would heal a marriage right now. That you would open a womb right now. That you would cause somebody to dream again. Oh, just start to, however you might, Father, right, just, just ask for his presence. Just say, Jesus, say this, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Father, have your way.